0: Awesome. Well, why don't you uh, grab a seat. We're going to get started here right now. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be looking in the book of John. And uh, so why don't you turn there. Let me just pray real quick. Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign. God, we thank you that, Lord, you are the author, the perfecter, you are the orchestrator of every single detail of of our lives, and God, that you have your best for us. Lord, though we are, Lord, just not of of the heavenly realms, Lord, we we struggle with the, the options and the ways in which we have to exercise our freedom, and Lord, we just commit God, our hearts and just the mistakes and choices and ways in which, Lord, we try to choose right, but often we choose wrong. And so, Lord, we just, we ask that you would give us clarity tonight. Lord, as we just talk about your intentions for us and our intentions to do good, I, I thank you, Lord, that your intentions for us tonight is to have a revelation of your word. So we just pray that every word that proceed, God, from my mouth will be straight from your throne. Lord, we be straight from your heart and that Lord, it would be about you tonight. It'll be about us, God, as a community, yearning and pushing and breaking through, God, our existence to experience you on a deeper, new level. Lord, we believe that you have a next level encounter for us. Lord, we've been sensing it building, so we just ask that you would continue that here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, t- tonight is a, a little bit of a different night, uh, because tonight is not exactly how we had kind of scheduled or planned and so I believe that God has kind of changed a, a couple of details about the details of tonight. And, and so tonight I want to talk about regrets and having no regrets in life. I really believe that uh, God is calling us to be a people that have the power to choose and have the power to choose correctly. And if I can ex- exhort one thing to you, it is far better to be proactive now in your life than to live a life in which you are completely looking backwards and resenting and regretting your past. We each have choices before us. We have options. We have a ways to live our lives. And God gives us freedom of our choice and part of our free will. And we have the option to choose out of a, the, the greatness that he provides before us, and we have sometimes the ability to do back, sit back and do nothing, and let the consequences happen to us, or sometimes we have to forge ahead and face some consequences. But either way, there's going to be two outcomes. You're either going to have the decision that you want because you're proactive, or you're going to have a a circumstance that maybe you did not want, and you're going to have regret, and you're going to have a frustration that you didn't do more. And this is a recurring theme right now in my life is that, that, that people are intervening in my life and there's things that are going on and it's, it's all about I'd rather take the chance now. I'd rather have the consequence now of this action rather than be in regret later. It's happened to me with, uh, recently with a friend who had some concerns and he brought him and he knew there was going to be great consequence to the concern. But he was just like, I got I to gotta give my heart in this. I got I to gotta get this out. And so I believe in it. So that's why tonight I want to talk about this. And, and it was funny. My wife and I had a, a similar circumstance a couple of weeks ago that really kind of plays you know, into this. Like, I totally get it. And, and we're, we're supposed to go on a marriage retreat this weekend. And uh, so we have a bunch of friends from school and, and life. And so all of us are on a marriage retreat led by this guy. And, and so uh, everyone's really close. It's great. Um, super close community of people. And so we're going to, like, this house way out on the coast. And so... Uh, so the email came across like, hey, you know, this is going to be great. We have a lot of couples going, but, you know, our sleeping arrangements are, are kind of, you know, up in the air, and, and maybe some of us will have to be on couches or floors, or maybe, you know, we'll have to share, you know, rooms and things. And so immediately, you know, my wife and I are like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to share anything with anybody except for my wife on a marriage retreat. Sorry. I don't want to be like grabbing the wrong toothpaste, you know, at the sink. I just, I don't, I want, I want myself and my wife and that's it. And so we, we sat there and we like, oh man, we're going to be that couple, you know, that like opens their mouth and causes all the drama. And I remember saying like, I'd rather like be the jerk now and express my concern rather than be in a circumstance all weekend where I'm uncomfortable and miserable and all those things. I know it's high maintenance. Sure. Maybe you're like, oh, it's, a, you know. I would never do that. But I, I, I looked at it like, I'd rather step forward, be now, be a tool now, and, you know, get it over with, and then have a good marriage weekend, you know, of a re- retreat. And so I think that we look at our life and we see circumstances, and sometimes because there's an abrasion for us moving forward, we, we don't always move forward into it. And we don't like the consequences that are going to come forward from it. But I got I to tell you that it's important that God's intention tonight is that he wants us to live proactively regardless if there's circumstances that are going to be before us. I think that when God leads us into places, he is calling us to be an obedient steward of those circumstances. Now, what does that mean? When he calls you in places to be an obedient steward with that place, and that means that there's going to be opportunities. So somehow everyone made it here at Epic Life. It's great. It's good to see you guys, right? Some, for some reason, you are in Sacramento. Lord knows why, right? I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I love like, or here, like, I'm here in Sacramento, but I'm, like, on the first bus out of here as soon as my ship comes in, you know? But for some reason, everybody is here in this place right now. And God is asking each one of us to steward this time and place of our life well right now. I'm not originally from uh, California. I'm from Oregon, uh, from the northwest in the Portland area. I met my wife in Santa Barbara. She went up to UC Davis for a grad school. I chased her up there, begged her to marry me. She said yes. So... Uh, we're here, and so I'm in business, and so I was starting my business right when we moved up here, and I, I, I remember it like to the day when we were in our little rental house in this, in the city of Dixon, found out that our landlady was growing pot, you know, which was awkward later, but um, I remember like that day that I was like looking at like, okay, I'm, I'm newly married. I am the only income potential that our family is going to have for the next three years because she was in, in graduate school full-time. And I had to think like, okay, I want to do business. I want to go on my own. I really felt that that was God's gifting, God's uh, direction, his DNA for me. I knew business, entrepreneurship was who I was. And so I started my business. And so I looked at it knowing that, you know, we don't want to be in Dixon, let alone a pot farm for our entire lives. But what do I do with, with our circumstances, our relationships, and my business? And I, I came to a point where I either decided that I either have to not do business And go do something else, find some other job. Or I had to fully commit 100%. I had to put all the chips on the table and say, God, I I give you it because you've given me clearly the passions and directions. And I have to invest full forward into it, regardless of what our plans and intentions are later. I trust you're going to figure that out. But I need you to move through and go through. We got back from a honeymoon. We had like $600 to our name. And like rent was due in like two weeks. You know, like it's intense. Like we almost had interventions before our marriage, you know. I don't know if you guys have had interventions before. They're not fun, you know. And, and so I, I, I stand here telling you that we have never missed a single payment. We never missed rent one time. We've never had a need or a want. We were able to buy a house. We were able to do all these different amazing things. And God had his, his face upon every single thing I did because I said, God, I believe that you've called me for this. I'm going to invest 100% into it. And I don't care about the consequences right now because I believe that you're going to meet me in it. And so sometimes when we are in circumstances that we don't like as we don't act and behave the way that God wants us to or that maybe he would like us to in the circumstance. Maybe we, we want to try and penalize God. Well, you know, I'm not going to make the most out of this. So I'm just going to kind of do it halfway, you know. I'm going to put the minimal effort required in my life for this period of my life right now. And I believe the exhortation tonight is that God wants us to be people who go all in. He wants to say, I'm here right now. Tomorrow, everything might change. I mean, look at the news, right? We, you look at Japan a week ago. I, I, I Facebooked to Devin, who was part of our, our group, and I know he's in Japan. And I got on Facebook last, last week. And I'm like, Devin, are you okay? And, and he's fine. But the, the world is fundamentally different right now because of what happened last week. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea what's going to happen in in one month of your life. So I believe when we have our plans that we begin to rescind back and we don't make the moves because we think we have it all figured out. And I think that God wants us tonight to be aware that he wants us fully committed and all in regardless of the circumstances. I forgot a rope. Sal, did I uh, forget that? No worries. We don't need the rope. (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you what it's for. So it's going to be great. So there's a, in theory, there's this huge long rope I'm supposed to be holding right now, and the tip of it is red. And so you have a, you know, a 40, 50-foot rope, and just a little tiny tip of it has a marking. And I want to paint a picture for you tonight about eternity and our role here. That little tip is our measly existence here on earth right now. And the rest of that rope represents eternity, we spend all of our time worrying about that little tiny shred, that little tiny tip of the rope when we have eternal life with Jesus, which sounds like a really long time. We spend all of our energy and time worrying about this little tiny sliver. And, and just to quote a gladiator movie, hallelujah, is that what we do today, anybody know? Oh yeah, echoes in eternity. Isn't that great? I love that. It seems like the, uh, the token kind of pastoral message. You know, you got to get like, you know, Gladiator somehow mixed into your message and get Jesus shoehorned in there somehow. Uh, what we do now, the choices we make now are going to be the ones that we have to live with our, for eternity. If you believe that you've been redeemed, you're going to spend eternal life with Jesus in heaven. If you believe that that is going to happen to you, you have to be honest and looking back at the decisions you're making right now. How are you investing your life? How are you investing into God and into your walk? Last week we had an amazing night where we had people all over the front here. We had a great move of God and it was so powerful and it was so encouraging because people, I I believe some for the first time, put all their chips on the table for God. And it's so important because what we do now is we're going to be playing over and over and over again our mind and looking back on these times and saying, man, if only I could have. I have no idea how long I'm here, how long Epic Life's here, how long you're here, any of those things. But what God has called me to do is to be the best steward right now of this opportunity. To be the best steward of your life, your hour and a half, two hours here, of our season here, he's called us to be the best stewards of it as we can. Now let me paint a little picture about uh, something I've coined called life debt. You know you have like credit card debt. You maybe have like car debt, or maybe a mortgage debt. You have all these different debts. Now, let me tell you about life debt. Life debt is the decisions that you consciously make to leave unresolved. Life debt is the things in which you decide to go this way, knowing that there's a consequence over here. And at some point in your life, you're going to have to come back and deal with that debt. There are decisions that you make today That have tangible consequences, and we decide to walk, knowing those full consequences, and knowing that that is going to leave something for us to come back later. That is what life debt is, and so many of us, just like uh, just like credit card debt, the average person about 25 years old has about seven thousand dollars of the credit card debt. Kind of crazy is that you see people in our generations that they're walking through life, they're not doing relationships very well, and so they're leaving a trail of carnage all behind them. A strange relationships with friends, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, relatives. You see people are, who are torching their careers, torching their educations. You're seeing all these different things. And so sooner or later, those things are going to come back up. And so we have a, a generation that rescinds back, that, that hides back from doing the things necessary to take care of those, those details of their life. It's not about hitting the home run necessarily. It's, matter, it's about stewarding your circumstances well. Now, how do, on earth do we do that? How do you begin to decide, like, how do I say yes to this or no to that? Or, or how do I not suck at life? How about that? I like to tell clients that we don't make you awesome. We just help you suck less. You know, it's kind of like if we can just help you be a little less terrible, then we've succeeded. And the, the journey through him is, is a subsequent victories on that. And eventually, we hope you're awesome. But in the meantime, we work on people to try and help them suck less. And so let's look at how Jesus lays a blueprint for us in life and consequences and regrets and ambitions to move forward and to not leave a trail of regrets and leave a trail of bad debt. So if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 14. It says, Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force and make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. What am I trying to get in this passage? If you read the story of Jesus living life in community and with the disciples, you'll see that everybody around him is trying to tell him what God's plan is for his life. John chapter 2 says that Jesus knew the intentions of their heart. Everyone's saying, like, Jesus, you're supposed to be the king. You're the ruler. You're supposed to come here and do these powerful things and get rid of all these bad guys. Everybody around Jesus was telling Jesus what God's plan was for him. Peter even went as far as to say, after Jesus informing him that he had to go to the cross to pay for the sins for all, came and said, get behind me, Satan. Everyone was looking around Jesus saying, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And Jesus picks it up here. John chapter 13, verse 2. Turn there now. John 13, verse 2, says this. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, this is the key part here, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God, and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Now let me read that one more time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take out the mission statement of Jesus, and it'll sound completely normal. Check this out. During supper, during supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, and Jesus got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taken a towel and girded himself. I mean, it kind of reads okay. But what we're missing in there is the key point. Check this out. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God. Right there, Jesus is clearly lining out that he knows what he's been given from God, where he came from, and where he's going. If you're in corporate America or anything, you know that those are the tenets of a mission statement. Of knowing what is your purpose in life. Why is there something and not nothing? What is your mission? What is your vision? Why do you even exist? And so Jesus, as we look through the entire stories, this is the central theme where Jesus acknowledges and knows. He makes his decision, knowing that he's about to be betrayed. He knows what he's been given, who he's from, and where he's going. And so he operates out from that central core. He doesn't allow everyone to tell him that he could be become king. Because, you know, Jesus could have, been become, could have become king. You could probably argue that Jesus would have had a greater ministry being the king of Israel than he was dying a, a criminal's death. He knew that the people by force, if he would have let the people around him, by force they would have taken him and made him king. But Jesus demonstrated such power in his life not because he had opportunity in people, right? I mean, he had opportunity to be king. He had all the people around him. But because he chose exactly how to live the life from who he was. It's important that we ask do we know whose we are do you know who you belong to do you know that jesus has redeemed you that he's purchased you for a price Do you know that he's he's brought you and set you apart for greatness do you know that if jesus had a, a mission statement if jesus had a calling and had the identity in which he operated from all decisions flowed through that identity then certainly we should and so we look at Jesus' life and we would see a lot of people would have disagreed with how he lived it. Said, Jesus, you should have done that. You should have done this. But he made every decision from that. And Jesus has no regrets for what he came to do because he was obedient to who he was and who God had called him to be. Jesus had laser focus on every decision he made. It's important for you to know that. Jesus had laser focus on every decision he made and it operated from knowing what he's been given, who is he from, and where is he going? Everything about Jesus revolved around that. So let me just take a couple points here just real quick. And the first is the mission. Do you know the mission? Do you know your mission? If I ask you, why on earth are you sitting in this room? Why do you exist? What purpose does your life have in this world? It shouldn't be a scary one. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, don't ask me that. <laughs> I promise you that your life is not to have 2.5 kids with the white picket fence, own a house, and maybe a dog. And make, you know, $55.2 dollars a year, or whatever it is. That's not God's plan. That's not why you exist. Do you know why God chose to make you? Because he chose to make you. Think about that. Do you know why there's something in your body rather than nothing right now? If Jesus knew and made every decision from answering that question, shouldn't we? But maybe we begin to develop regrets and we begin to leave a trail of a life that we don't really like living because we don't know the central key components of that question. Do you know what God's given you? Do you know where he's taking you? And do you know that you are his? I met with a buddy. He has the most amazing voice and clarity from God, and he can just deliver it like you would not believe. And I had coffee, and I was like, I got to know. Like, where'd you get that red phone? You know, (laughs) it's like amazing. And he clearly gave how God had chosen him to be a voice for him. It was powerful and awesome. And I love it because such strength comes from that and such opportunity comes from that. And and here's the deal. You want to know the most successful you'll ever be in your life? The most successful you'll ever be in your life is making decisions based upon those three questions. What you've been given, your gifts, your talents, abilities, your passions, knowing what your purpose is and where you're going. You'll be the most successful when you operate and choose out of that. When you begin to stray from that, when you begin to operate in in ways that that God hasn't designed for you, maybe he's given you very specific things, maybe he's even confirmed things, maybe there's been confirmations on what God wants for you, and when you stray from that, you're going to find yourself running into a brick wall countless times, wondering, why doesn't this work? And they all say, well, God's just really testing me in this. No! Get back on the other course! (laughs) We need to know whose we are. We belong to the king, we know what giftings he's given us. He's given us every spiritual blessing. And we know what purpose we have here and where we're going. I can tell you that I had an enticing opportunity. My wife gets to suffer through all these redundant stories over again, and she gets to live them. Um, I, I know I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. It, it is just, that's who I am. I'm a visionary, starting thing. That, that is who I am. Ideas, that's my, my fuel. And so I had an opportunity several years ago and uh, this really successful business guy came to myself and a couple of the guys. And uh, so he's like, hey, I want to start this company and it's going to be in the private equity space. And if you know what private equity is, it's, it's where a bunch of rich guys get together. They put a couple hundred million dollars into a pot and they go and they buy other companies. They try and turn them around and make them profitable and then sell them. Well, private equity, it's like gold mine. I mean, anybody says, I do private equity, they, they probably, you know, roll large, you know? They're, they're really successful. And so, you know, we're, we're young, and we're, we're here, and, we're like, there's this opportunity. We can do private equity. We'll, we'll go find investors, and we'll do this. And so it's funny how when, like, a really big opportunity with a lot of financial gain comes to you, and you're like, I really feel God leading me into this. Oh, man, you know, I prayed about it, you know, and you're, you're, you're thinking about, man, what kind of car would I drive, and... I think of the vacations we'd have, you know. But I really feel God moving and confirming this. Oh, man, praise Jesus. We're going to do this, you know. Can I tell you it was the most miserable attempt of business I've ever had? It was awful. There's nothing wrong with, with doing the business. It just isn't who I am. I found myself just like, like a bolt was loose and missing. I could not do this business to save my life. I had no interest, no passion, and I soon found out that the desire for money was not enough to sustain my passion to be successful in it. And the reason I'm successful in business now is only because I'm walking in the giftings that God has already given me. Sometimes I look at other people who are really gifted, and I have, like, gifting envy, you know, like, I want that, you know, and that's a really tempting thing to do, but we need to look and know the strength in which God has formed and fashioned us and operate in that capacity. Colossians 3.15 says this. Check this out. Let the word of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of Christ rule in your heart. Now, what does that mean? The word rule there is referring to like an umpire. Think of like a, a baseball. You know, like there's like an umpire there like on like the, the foul ball line. And so, you know, his judge is to like, you know, call in or out if there's, you know, a long, long drive or something. Let the word of Christ rule be the umpire of your heart. Now, when we're walking in the strength of the giftings God's given us and we're walking in the identity of where he's called us and the use of what he's called us, we should have a peace that it's in bounds. And immediately when we begin to walk out of that, we feel an unpeace, if that's even a word, uh, that, that something like the foul ball, you know, like an umpire would say foul or out. That's what that, that scripture is referencing, that, that we let the peace and the word of Christ rule what's in bounds and out of bounds of our life. That's so awesome. And that comes from having that missional identity that God has given each one of us. It's all different. And this helps us because it it gives us boundaries for what is and isn't us. It helps us decide, yes, this is me, or no, this isn't me. And sometimes it's a process of elimination. I had to go and fall on my face in private equity and completely bow out and like, put my tail between my legs and go back to what I was doing. I had to do that to know that God had reserved me for a very specific purpose and given me exact giftings. He's like, I don't want you to go over there and do that. I didn't make you for that. I made you for this. So stay there and be successful at that. And so it's been so life-giving to do that. And so having those boundaries to know this is who I am, this is who I'm not, Is great. If there's one line that you get from all of tonight, it's this one. If you do not choose to live your life how God's calling you to, then someone else will choose the life he lived for you. If you do not choose the way in which you are going to have your life run with God, someone else is going to choose it for you. Because just saying, well, we'll just see how it goes, is not going to be enough in God's kingdom. He not called for us to be, well, we'll just see how it goes, Christians. Uh-uh. Matthew 11, 12 says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. That forceful men lay hold of it. Right, Jeff McCain? Gave me that verse. Changed my life. You haven't been called to be just floating down the river. You've been called to be a person that is decisive and forceful and calculated for where God is going to lead you. If you don't decide how your life is going to live, someone else will define it for you. And chances are you're not going to like what they are going to pick. You're not going to like it. When someone else tells you how it's going to be, there's something about it you just don't like. So if you are living in life right now and you're just, you're not happy how it's going, can I tell you that the only person you have to blame is you? Sorry, but I really believe that. I know that there's circumstances like life happens to us and that certainly there's an area of that. But with things that we have the power of choice, If we are unhappy with how life is going for us, I believe that God is asking us to correct the way we're doing life. To have a life that lives moving forward and being proactive. There's one thing that really drives me insane is um, people who hate their jobs and aren't willing to do anything to get out of it or to move to the next level for it. I can get it like, okay, if if life is in a transition, if jobs are are difficult now, but if you're not doing something in the works, if you're not investing currently for something else, it drives me nuts. It's like no one's forcing you to work there, you know? No one's forcing you to live the life that you're living right now. It's kind of set you free that you get to decide the details of your life. All right, off my soapbox. Sorry about that. Next is to be strategic. Be strategic. Now what I mean by that is in every decision that you have coming to your life, is it helping or hurting that life mission that you have from God? Are the things that are coming into your life, are the things that you're choosing? Because we get to choose, remember? It's just not life happens to us. We get to choose. Are the things that we're choosing, are they helping or hurting that missional call that God has for us? Are they breathing life or are they sucking life? It's going to be one or the other. Eventually, it's going to show itself what it is. It's easy for us to commit into things and not really understand what we're committing to. I'm like the total yes man of the universe. You could say, we're going to go play tiddlywinks until four in the morning. I'm like, I'm there, you know. No. I'm like, bad. Like, be excellent. Be better at fewer things, but be excellent at those things rather than be a ton of things to everybody else. If you are all things to all people, you're nothing to everyone. You you, you can't be in a world in which you are constantly saying yes because you have nothing left to give to God and give to those who really need an encounter with you. Matthew 7, 6 says this. And this is, as I Googled this verse, it's funny because I found hundreds of listings on Google of like, what the heck does this mean? I'm going to tell you what it means tonight. Matthew 7, 6 says, Do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Don't cast your per- pearls before swine. not that awesome? Don't cast your pearls before swine. What on earth does that mean? I don't even own pearls. I don't even have a pig around, right? You are the pearl. You. Your time, your gifting, your calling, you are the pearl. So as God has given you your giftings, remember we're stewarding our giftings. Don't cast yourself, your time, your effort, don't cast it before things that have no return and actually are going to harm you. You are the pearl. Don't simply minimize the significance that you have in the kingdom and just assume that everything else, it doesn't matter I'm involved in it. It's okay, and It does. Give and invest yourself into things that are going to have eternal significance. Jesus had the opportunity to spend life with thousands and thousands of people and he chose to concisely invest it into 12 people that would replicate him. Jesus chose with laser precision about what he was involved in. You are the pearl. Consider what you're committed to in your life now. Where does life have you pulling apart? I feel totally ragged. I'm going through a season where I'm like, I'm trying to find all the things that are pulling, and like I, I, I'm so stretched. I got to go through my life and find out what are the things that are taking the life out of my mission and vision for my life. Why am I in there? Why am I committed to that? I challenge you. No matter what you're involved in, even Epic Life, I don't care. You like are those things giving you life? I'll tell anybody. Like this is not about attendance. If you aren't getting life out of here. Go, you know, find life. Find, find what feeds you. It doesn't have to be our logo, our place, any of that stuff. Find where God's going to feed you. But don't come because, you know, you're expected or that, you know, you want to appease somebody else. Don't do any of that. Invest yourself wisely so that Christ would be replicated in you. Find the place in which God is going to multiply himself in you and pursue those things. Are you involved in relationships, activities, events, communities, Are you involved in programs? Are you you in things that suck life out of you or or just don't bear fruit? Maybe it's just not that it's bad. Maybe it's that things aren't breathing life. They aren't producing any harvest in you. It's amazing how many things we'll find ourselves involved and committed to just because the opportunity was there. Remember that Jesus had opportunity and people and he said no to being king. Jesus out of all people had every opportunity to be involved in all sorts of great things. But you know what? You never see Jesus late. He never was like, running around. He never was like, oh man, I just was meeting with this guy and over here and man, I'm so sorry. I'm so... No, he was so calculated in where he invested himself. Yes, did he invest himself heavily but he was able to walk in the power in which God had called him for. They're just saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I'd say the road to mediocre life is also paved with good intentions. In hell, in our circumstance here, is a life of regret. Why would you want to go through life always looking backwards and just wishing that you could do things differently? If that's not regret, and that doesn't sound like hell, then I don't know what it does. I know that I don't want to leave this season of my life looking back and knowing that I could have invested more, knowing I could have done more things, knowing I could have taken more chances. I don't want to leave a season that God is having me walk through and not steward it well. Give God the full investment so you don't have to walk back and look back and see what could have been. There's this potential gap, I really believe, in most of our lives and even in our group. This potential gap of what could be if we all totally sold out, if we totally went for it, if we all put all those chips right in and said, God have your way. But why don't we do it? I think the number one thing is Galatians 1.10. It's about pleasing man. Galatians 1.10 says, if I'm trying to please men... I cannot be a servant of christ how many things do we let ourselves commit to just simply because it's going to please somebody don't do that do because christ compels you because god is going to season your giftings in you the pursuit of pleasing man has got to be one of the most deadly things for our faith we need to seek to please god last here we go is know your role know your role Again, Jesus knew what he was given, knew where he came from, where he was going, his purpose. He knew all of that stuff. Jesus had a laser-focused knowledge of what his role was in the earth. Pure and simple. There's no debating it. Know your role. What is God's purpose for you even here? If you call yourself part of the Epic Life community, consider what is your role cultivating the atmosphere and the presence of God here. What is your role in your family's life, in your workplace? What is your role? Think about what, why is there something instead of nothing in your bones, in your flesh, in your existence? It's important we ask ourselves these questions and we seek and we pray that God would reveal it. Because God doesn't just want us to come here and just, you know, sing one song and then three songs and have a, a message that lasts, you know, 36 minutes or whatever. You know, God has so much more for us than that. And because we tolerate that level, we're going to be frustrated. So help me to not be frustrated with you guys when we want something but we don't get it. You know that feeling? You want something but you don't get it? Could it be that we're not pursuing it? Is Ramsey here? Maybe not. Ramsey? He gave me this awesome quote today. Oh. Hiding. Ramsey gave me this. It says... You will never possess what you are unwilling to pursue. Pursuit is the proof of desire. You will never possess what you are unwilling to pursue. Pursuit is the proof of desire. And I know that we're, that was, I think, from Cy Rogers, who probably pulled it from somebody else, who pulled it from somebody else, all those things. Great. It's awesome for us tonight. Knowing the desire and the pursuit, we need to go after those things. And, and here's the thing about roles. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, By the grace God has given me, I have laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. Each one should build with care. And what does that mean? It means this. Is sometimes your only job is to lay the foundation. You don't need to be the guy who does all the finish work. It's ironic we're going down to try and build a classroom. I know that maybe for for some of our roles in life that we want to be the master builder from start to finish and do it all. But maybe God is just calling you, just lay a foundation of Christ. If nothing else here is, I just want to lay a foundation of Christ in our community. I don't need to be the guy that, that builds the entire house. Know our roles. And here's why. When we try and take over the whole entire project, we are delaying the finished work of God. When we don't exercise control in that we don't have to play the entire role, we are delaying the finished work of God. Know that your role in someone's life tonight just simply might be connecting with them and just sharing a kind word. That could be your only role. And maybe others, they come by and maybe they season that and they do something. It, it's great. I once shared about our neighbor. His name's Tommy. Awesome guy. Well, now awesome guy. Before, I was terrified of him. He, he had like a stockpile of guns, all legal, I think, um, but he would like for fun take like his laser scope of his gun that shoots, you know, 10,000 feet per second, and, uh, and he would shine his scope and laser in our uh, living room, which is awkward. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at that, you know. Oh my gosh, you know. This guy is like the rough and tumble, just you do not want to be caught with him in a drive through let alone be in a relationship with him. He was so intimidating. Am I right, sweetie? He was, he was intense. Yes. You want to be his friend. If you ever had a beef, you're like, oh, I'm going to call him, you know. So little did we know, so life kind of changed for him, and he calls me. and He actually texts me, and I just had loved on him. I took him once out to breakfast. And I just kind of told him, just like, here's who I am, here's my faith, and here's what God is in me. And so about two weeks later, he sends me this text in the middle of a conference call I'm on, and it's like, I'm ready to receive him now. I'm like, oh boy. I think it was the first guy I've ever, by myself, led to Christ. It's crazy. I'm ready to receive him now. I just like, showing like, you know, the guys in my office, like, I gotta go, you know. He was in a, like our basketball league, which is a Christian league. Like, he would get all sorts of technicals. It was so bad. So I go over there, and so we pray. I mean, it was probably the wimpiest salvation prayer ever because I'm like, God, somewhere you say this and I think that's right. You know, We, we got it done. It was great. And, uh, and so, but here, here's the thing. So we find out that there's been dozens of people praying and loving on him and trying to get him to church and trying to get him involved for his entire life. In fact, his sister serves here at Capitol. Blake and Kelly, if you know them, that's Kelly's brother. I don't know them very well. I mean, we came here, we just moved to Sacramento, like, hey, that's our neighbor. It's crazy. My only role in that was simply asking him to breakfast and then being available for him when he wanted to send a text. There had been tons of other people that had been laying the groundwork, so we need to know our role. If something doesn't happen the way we want it to, we need to know that God is allowing us to steward an opportunity for time and that 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 might just be the only calling we have to it. We're so quick to say yes or no and, and measure success and how do you know this and results. I totally get that. I'm like that. But at some points, we need to know that our role with Christ sometimes is just to be playing on the supporting bench. Show up, steward that opportunity well, but when it's done, don't hold out and don't hold up the finished work of God. Amen? When we have the band come up? <clears throat> I think as we discover our role that God wants us to be, and just because I was talking about Tommy and guns, I think God wants us to be rifles instead of shotguns. You know, like a rifle is like one bullet and shoots really accurate and straight. And shotguns is kind of like, kind of aim over there and you'll probably get it. You know, it shoots like a ton of little tiny pellets. And I think that that's probably consistent for us is that God wants us to be focused on the prize hit the target every time and hit it well it doesn't matter how many times but just when we fire we do it well not this you know we'll just fire everything out of the sky and maybe something will hit the ground you know no he's calling us to be obedient and say when i bring you just steward this well and and stop looking for the results stop looking for all the different metrics that you want to gauge of whether God's in it or not. It's like, I'm just calling you to steward it. And when we do that, when we have the recognition that our role is to simply play the piece that God has for us, and we're walking to the fullness of our mission, our calling, and where we're going, who God is, then we get to experience life on a whole new level. We don't get to live life with all this life debt. That we're carrying on all this baggage, all these relationships, all these things we need to reconcile. We don't get to do that anymore, which is great. We don't get to go through seasons of where we maybe enter new jobs or maybe go into different careers or find new relationships. When we are centered around those principles that God gives us and we choose out of that, we let the word of Christ rule our heart. We don't have to live in those regrets. We don't have to have the question of what could have been. Is that not like the scariest phrase in the English language? Of what could have been? As we look back, that's such a a lame place to live if we're always looking back. If we choose now, we choose to live and find that strength for what God has called each one of us, every single one of you has a role to play. And we live from that, God is going to completely redirect our path. And he's going to give us the life that we believe that he has called us to. John 10.10 says what? I've come to give you life and life more lame. No, life more abundantly. That's where we got our name, Epic Life, that we want the pursuit of epic life. We want the life that God says, when you have me, life is awesome. There's no comparison. There's no substitute for life with Christ. But why don't we ever experience it the way that the scriptures outlay? Can we be committed tonight? And why don't we just stand and pray that, that God would just completely revolutionize our idea of what our role is in him. So Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us a calling and a desire and a passion to live, God, the life that you have said was possible. Not simply life eternal, though we love that, Lord. We want to be focused on the eternal. But God, that the life you have here for us here and now And so, Lord, everybody here in this room, God, hearts all over. I pray that you'd impress upon them. God, first your love, that they are exactly who you intended them to be. Who you have gifted them with the the passions and the giftings and their interests and desires. Lord, you have made them that way. God, they are not a mistake. God, we've 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 broken the word failure over this place. And I just break it again. The word failure has no place in this room. God, you've not created any failures. You've not created anybody in here, Lord, that is just meant to kind of have an okay life. No, God, you say, come to you and you will give us life more abundantly. God, you have not designed for us to walk around with shame and condemnation. God, those aren't from you. You're not going to partner with Satan in shame and condemnation against us. No, that is not who you are. So, Lord, we just ask that any part of us, as we investigate, God, why we're here, who we belong to, and where we're going, for what purpose, Lord, that you would impress so much value on us. God, it is knowing the power of whose we belong to, God, that allows us to change the course of our life. And so, Lord, I just ask God, if, if, if we, Lord, individually and corporately, God, have minimized the value in your eyes, Lord, that we just would repent of that. God, we are children of the King. God, you delight over us. You rejoice over us. Your word says you rejoice over us with singing. How awesome and amazing is that? So, Lord, let us be fearful of doing nothing. God, let us be fearful and terrified that we would let this life and these these ways to move forward in your kingdom pass us by. Lord, we don't care about what happens tomorrow. Lord, you could come tomorrow. Let us fully invest ourselves today, right now in this life. As we sing these worship songs, Lord, I just pray that the, just the ceiling would just cave in with your, your love, Lord. Lord, that you just would, would shower us with your presence. Lord, you'd, you'd speak to us. I, I pray, Lord, there'd be such audible confirmation, God, of your intentions for every single one, every single person here tonight. And maybe, Lord, just an intention tonight, maybe God is going to lay on your heart tonight the name and the face of somebody. And maybe God has already laid the foundation with other people that person, and all you need to do is call that person, send them that text, send that email, reach out to them. Maybe your place tonight is God is saying, I'm calling you to be a redeemer of these relationships, these instances and, and people that are around you. So, Lord, we pray that that would happen here tonight. I pray, Lord, where there's confusion of callings and ambitions, careers and relationships, all those things. Lord, you're concerned about that, so bring clarity here tonight God. God, you want to be part of it all, Lord. You don't just want part of us. You want it all. So, Lord, have your way with us, God. We give you all that you would have done here tonight. As we sing, Lord, just you be glorified for your purpose, your kingdom.